Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 6. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And I love these four words. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole as the other. Would you please stretch your hands toward heaven and ask the Lord to touch us here in this place. Goodness and mercy, Lord. I ask you right now, Lord, to captivate our hearts and minds here for a few moments. Drive out every hindering spirit, Lord, that wicked fowl of the air that would steal your word from us before it has chance to take root and grow. Bind him in Jesus' name. Lord, let faith rise up in us, Lord, to receive your word to believe Your Word and to respond to Your Word. In Jesus' name we ask it. And everybody can say, Amen and Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you here about this man with the withered hand. The withered hand. Withered is not a word that I use in everyday conversation. Probably not a word that most of us use, but it's probably a word that for the most part we understand. We know what it means if a plant withers, if something shrinks, if it shrivels, if it draws back upon itself. This man's hand was withered. It had lost its function. It did not work the same as his other hand. It has little grasp. It has no grip. He cannot push. He cannot pull. He cannot lift. He cannot pull down. His hand has lost its function. It does not work as it used to work. It's not only lost its function, but it's lost its form. It doesn't look like the other hand. It looks different. It's, it's shrunken. It's shriveled. It has drawn back upon itself. It has lost the, 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 the form. There is a visible difference in this hand that is now withered. And you know, people do not mean to stare when there is something different about us. They intend no disrespect. It is only that 
when we have something that is considered an abnormality, it's, it's so different. People just look and they don't realize they're looking. They stare and they don't realize they're staring. But obviously it would make this man with the withered hand feel self-conscious. The noticeable effort not to look their noticeable effort not to pay any attention to his withered hand would probably lead to an awkward silence and the unasked question would just hang there in the air and probably sometimes pastor he would be like to tell the story but because they don't ask he says nothing and the awkward silence just hangs there in the air without any without any effort on his part at all, without any uh, previous thinking at all, he probably finds himself hiding his weakness, hiding his withered hand. Perhaps when he goes into a crowd, he slips it behind the, 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 the flap of his coat or inside of his shirt. Maybe he covers it with his, with his good hand, or perhaps if he can reach, maybe he puts it in his pocket making an effort to, to, to look and appear as if he's the same as he's always been. And notice that it says it was his right hand that was withered. Did you know that 90% of the population of the world is right-handed? In, in almost every culture, it's right at 10% of the people are left-handed. And my daughter's left-handed, and she is sure to remind me on a pretty regular basis that only left-handed people are in their right mind and I guess that's true the right side of the brain controls the left side of the body and vice versa so she said left-handed people are the only people in their right mind but still they remain in the minority so uh, that it it's it's a 90 percent chance that this man has not only lost the use of one of his hands it was his right hand so there's a 90 percent chance that he has lost the use of his dominant hand what a blow in his life he's lost the use of this hand he is at great disadvantage with a withered hand now i'm not going to preach to you here tonight necessarily about god healing this physical withered hand but before i go on i want to let you know that god can heal the physically withered hand amen we were in tent revival in Phoenix in the early part of last year. In fact, it was the longest city reach campaign we had last year. We had three weeks of revival there in Phoenix. And I really meant to tell about some of it last night when I was preaching about divine appointment because that was one of those times where God just worked it all out. That's one, one city that we had our location reserved over one year in advance. Everything's taken care of. The deposit has been paid. Everything's fine. The approval has been given. And 30 days before revival, the city backed out. They didn't want it there in the city park. There was road construction. There was a million excuses, although they had a carnival the week before where they had a few thousand people there, and we were only hoping to have a few hundred people there. But anyway, we were disappointed. We were just a little bit upset. And so we took the only location we had on short notice right next to the church, which is on the edge of town, but it's still city. And the, the Saturday we put the tent up, 
they closed two of the main arteries that led through that part of the suburbs of Phoenix. And guess where they directed all of that traffic from those two major arteries? Right down the street of that church. And those roads stayed closed the whole three weeks of revival. And every night... Every night of revival, we had somebody get saved, somebody come and pray for salvation that did not know that church was there and had never been inside its doors. But God, by His divine appointment, sent them down the right street on the right week. Can you say amen? In that meeting, we met a pastor, Brother Johnson George and his wife, Sister Binu. They are from India. And they are over here for a little while pastoring. Actually, they're working and pastoring, trying to raise money. They're sending about everything they make back to India for their works that they have there. They've been missionaries and evangelists all over the state of India, all of their adult life, very educated people, very godly people. He's pastoring a little church there near downtown Phoenix for Indians and, and others. And uh, he invited me over to preach. So I slipped over there one Sunday morning to preach and, and, and left the tent with the man that was traveling with us. And, and because he was there, that kind of gave me a little bit of freedom to do that. And I slipped over there to preach my first time in this little Indian church. And I preached on faith. And I made a prayer line at the end of service. And several people come to be prayed for. And finally a, a young lady came. And it was her first time there. Her dad was a pastor in India, and in fact, he was in the service with us that morning. She came for prayer, and when she came, I had the pastor and others praying, and I, but I was just standing there, and I just happened to say, what do you need, sis? And she held out her hand toward me, and I just took it, her right hand, and like I was shaking her hand. And she said, well, I gave birth about three months ago, and something happened in that process, and I have lost the grip in my hand. I, I have some feeling, but I have no grip in that hand at all. And it was just hanging limp there in my hand. I said, well, let's pray. And so they laid hands on her and prayed for her. I just was holding her hand like I was shaking her hand. And my wife was singing. Some were singing. Some were praying. We didn't have any lightning bolts from heaven. There was no fire. There was no tongues and interpretation. It was just a Sunday morning prayer line. Y'all with me here? In fact, a Sunday morning like we had all missed our coffee prayer line. Alright? There was nothing fiery about it. It was just faith. No fire. Just faith. Praise God. We prayed for her. And while we were praying for her, I tell you what went through my mind is, is my, my dear friend, Brother Shabanke, a pastor friend in Nigeria, when he prays for people, he will often say, now do what you could not do before. Do you know Brother Shabanke? Isn't he something? Every time he's been to the church where you come from in Arkansas, your pastor told me, he said, every time he comes, we have a notable miracle. In our service. And that's been for years and years and years. And he'll say, now do something that you've never done before. And, you know, I, I thought that was God speaking to me. And so when we quit praying, I said, now squeeze my hand. And so help me, she looked at me like I was nuts. She just kind of stared at me for probably ten seconds. It seemed like it was three minutes and I'm thinking well that probably wasn't God <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
It's like her eyes were saying to me, didn't you hear me? I don't have any grip in my hand. And man, I just started feeling so small and feeling so crazy. And, you know, boy, I stepped out there on that little bitty ledge. You know, I didn't even jump off the edge. I just kind of stepped out on that little ledge of faith and just said, squeeze my hand. And she looked at me and looked at me. And everybody close to me heard me say that. And so now I feel like an idiot. Now I feel like a dummy. Now I feel like some, some you know, bogus preacher here saying, squeeze my hand. And she can't do it. And then all of a sudden she just bore down on my hand with a bulldog grip. And when she did, she said, wow. My wife up here playing the piano even heard her say wow. And, but I didn't know the interpretation of wow. That has so many different meanings. And so I said, are you better? And she said, no, I'm not better. I'm healed. Praise God. I want to tell you, God is able to heal the withered hand. I didn't do that. I mean, I can't do that. Touch my hand. Is there any power there? There's no power there. I can't heal anybody. And they couldn't heal anybody. You can't heal anybody. But God can do it. God can heal the physically withered hand. But tonight I'm not talking necessarily about a physically withered hand. I want to tell you, I'm preaching all over this country from coast to coast. I'm preaching in other nations and I want to tell you, it seems to me, it seems to me, Brother Eddie, that I am preaching to more hurting people than I've ever preached to in my life. They've been wounded. They've been harmed. They've been abused. They've been misused. And it has withered their spirit. It has wounded their heart. And it seems like I'm preaching to a bunch of people that seem like cannot ever rise above the old wounds of the past. Our spirits are withered because what has been done to us. But I come to preach to somebody here tonight. My God is able to heal your withered heart and your wounded spirit. Now I said, I feel like I'm preaching to more hurting people than I've ever preached to. And I'm willing to admit that at 50 years old, I am probably more compassionate than I was when I first evangelized at 25 years old. I'm willing, to, I'm willing to admit that because I don't have the strength that I had when I was 25 years old. Well, even when I was 35 years old, it wasn't no problem or anything unusual at all for me to close revival on Friday night, load everything up, and start a revival seven or eight hundred miles away on Sunday morning and go like a madman all week and do it again the next Friday night. Well, now, I don't even think about that. Are you nuts? I'm going to tell you, if my next revival was 700 miles away, we'd be closing on Thursday, maybe Wednesday. No matter what the pastor thinks. Is it because I'm a wimp? Some of it may be. Or maybe it's because I realize my limitations. And when I realize my own limitations, I'm willing to consider that others may have limitations as well. So I'm willing to admit that I probably have more compassion on people 
than I had when I was a young man. Not that I didn't love people or didn't care for people or didn't understand. It's just that I was, was, was filled with such strength and vim and vigor. I, didn't, I couldn't understand weakness. I couldn't understand mind battles. I couldn't understand when your body fails you, when you reach to do it like you've always done it, and your body says no because of some sickness or some pain or some wound. I didn't understand that then, but I understand it now. I'm willing to admit that I am preaching to more hurting people because I perceive the hurt easier and better. But I don't believe that's all of it. I believe in 2017, in a congregation this size, there are men and women and boys and girls on every pew that have been through more pain, that have been through more heartache, that have been through more sorrow than some of our grandfathers ever knew in their lifetime. Y'all understand what I'm preaching? I really believe that sin is so rampant and the devil is so mean and he's so intent on destroying our lives and destroying our families that we, you and I have been exposed to more pain and more hurt and more abuse and more misuse than we used to be in a whole lifetime and so that pain stays with us. It doesn't heal properly and it becomes a festering wound and it seems like you're over it until somebody touches it until you bump it up against something and the old pain rises up to the surface. But I come to preach to somebody, my God is able with one touch of His mighty hand to begin the healing process of your withered. How His hand became withered. Perhaps it was, it was withered by some type of wound. An accident perhaps that didn't heal properly. He was injured. He was marked. He was marred. That happens in life. The car swerves. The tree falls. The ladder shifts. The light changes at the last second. The tool slips out of your hand. The saw kicks up from the piece of wood. Brakes fail or lightning strikes or tornado comes or the Hurricane swoops in, the house burns, the creek floods. I won't tell you. The doctor calls with bad news. Life can deal us a blow and it changes everything. Mom dies or dad passes away or that relationship fails and on and on and on and on it goes. And life deals us wound after wound after wound. Perhaps his withered hand came from a wound or maybe he was damaged by disease I just I just looked up various diseases that can cause a a withered limb and the the list was pages long in fact almost two pages of just fevers various fevers that can cause a hand to wither and there's polio and there's arthritis and there's multiple sclerosis and there's Lou Gehrig's disease and all those fevers and many, many, many other diseases can cause us to wither. That vicious virus, that insidious invader, a cancerous cell, something so small that slips into our life and before we know it, I said before we know it, we are hurting, we are 
damaged and we do not heal properly. It's unnoticeable at first. It looks like it's no big deal. But before we're aware, the fever is raging and that small, insignificant, harmless thing, that almost innocent thought, it startles us into voluntary action until it becomes a weekly habit, a matter of routine, a daily dependence, and then we are wounded, we are damaged by that disease. Perhaps he was handicapped by some type of heartache. You know, I was surprised to learn that there are many, many, many physical ailments that do not have physical root causes, Pastor. pains, and they determine you're about to have a heart attack, they're going to carry you and your insurance policy just as quickly as they can into the back, and there's going to be a, a whole list of routine tests they're going to run. They're going to do EKGs. They're going to, they're going to look at the, they're going to inject some dye. They're going to do some scans. They're going to do a heart catheterization. They're going to look. They're going to do, well, probably first maybe a stress test and a whole list of tests. And many, 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 many times I've been the recipient of the news when somebody told me the doctor came out and said, everything's clean. We have no reason. We don't know why you're about to have this heart attack. We have no physical cause. And then you know what the doctor always asks next? What do you do for a living? What in your life is causing you so much stress? Even the doctors concede. Some physical illnesses start with emotional hurt. Oh, somebody help me preach here. Maybe this man was in a failed relationship. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe it was a friendship that soured, or abuse, or maybe it was grief or heartache. Maybe, maybe death came into his family and that cold, clammy hand left a permanent mark on his life. And the despair and the despondency and the depression demoralized him until his physical body collapsed under the strain. You've seen the little, you've seen the little picture with the frazzled hair and the panicked look and the person saying, I've only got one nerve left and you're standing on it. You ever seen that? The one I like even better is, when I start to explode, you will be the first one to know. You ever felt, anybody ever felt like that? Nobody. Everybody's here more sanctified than I am. Thank you. I got two. Praise God. I'm going to preach to you all for a while. I want to tell you, our nerves can get the best of us until our physical bodies snap under the strain. And so this man's physical handicap may have been caused by a variety of reasons, but we do not know the reason. But the fact is, he is hurting and he must do something about it that is hurting. And you need to do something about it. Maybe nobody else knows. Maybe nobody on your pew knows what's going through your mind in the middle of the night. Maybe your pastor does not have a clue as far as you know as to what's going on in your emotional life. But I come to preach to you tonight, you can't go on living with a withered spirit and expect to be whole. 
It damages your current relationships. It damages your marriage. It damages your relationships with your children. It damages your relationship with your spouse. It damages damages your relationship at work. I want to tell you that withered spirit will finally rise up as a cancer and consume us. Somebody help me preach here just a moment. There's got to be something that can be done. I look at this and I see three possibilities. And the first one is the most common one. You can just overlook it. Just pretend that everything is okay. And we're all kind of good at this. You put a smile on and you act like nothing's wrong. But here is the telltale giveaway. When you when you put off a, an unintended attitude about you in the middle of that smile and somebody asks how you're doing and you say fine and there's almost a force field around you just daring people to ask again y'all with me here? I've pastored Brother Sullivan and, and, and I enjoyed pastoring a lot of things about it I enjoyed but one of the frustrations with pastoring, and I'm sure this is not an Alabama thing, this was just a Kansas thing, I'm sure, but I mean almost sure. Well, I seen it in Ohio when I was there, and I, I did see it when I when I was in Florida too. So maybe it you know, maybe it gets around. But it was one of the most frustrating things. You knew someone was hurting. You didn't know why. God hadn't revealed it to you, and they hadn't shared it with you. But you knew they were hurting. And you preach, and you see them break and come to the altar. But you know, if you get down and pray with them and really show some compassion, that they're going to get up because they don't want anybody to know that they need help. Y'all with me here? But if you don't go over and fall on them and cry and weep with them, they're going to be on the phone after church saying, well, he didn't even pray with me. Y'all with me here? <laughs> See, I told you, this is funny to you because you've never seen it here, okay? But it's, it's, you know, but we all kind of get that way sometimes. We're hurting, but we're defensive about it. We just want to overlook it. We just want to pretend it's not there. Well, I don't tell you. You can overlook cancer. The doctor can tell you you have cancer and you can say, I just cancel that out in the name of Jesus and I refuse to believe it. But unless God heals you or you get some medical help, that cancer is going to eat away at your organ, eat away at your body until they roll you out right here and they lay you in a ground somewhere and you go to eternity because of that little cancerous cell. You can overlook it, but it's going to kill you. Somebody help me preach here. Oh God, I need your help, Lord. Holy Ghost, I need you to help us right here. We can overlook the things that hurt us, but it's going to kill us. And so there's another option. Rather than just overlook it, you can determine you're going to overcome it. And that's a little better option. And I, in fact, I preach a lot. I really like Stories of people that overcome all odds. I like that. Now, I don't keep up with football. I don't keep up with any sports. 
In fact, I had to get sanctified over sports because it was a God to me. Okay? Please don't get me started on that because I might name your God and then I'll make somebody mad. Okay? <laughs> but it was kind of neat when I, when I looked at the news the other day and found out that some team had overcome, and I know who it is now, but they overcome a never before overcome margin to win the Super Bowl. And half the world was aggravated. But the fact is, they won. And there's just something inside of me that says, yeah. Y'all with me here? I like it when people win who are not supposed to win. Our little girl is handicapped. She can't walk on her own. And every morning she gets up, she has to make up her mind, I'm going to function. I'm going to make it today. I'm going to go to church tonight. I, my mom and dad's going to help me climb up those stairs. I cannot walk up them. And my daddy's not young and strong enough to lift me up anymore. they got to help me climb up those stairs right in front of everybody. But I'm going to get up there in my wheelchair and I'm going to sing for Jesus and I'm going to tell the gospel story. And my little girl is an overcomer. And you know people like that. Thank God for people that are overcomers. We have, we have looked up a young lady online and, and, and looked at some of her life. She's in her early 30s. She was born without any arms whatsoever. And until she was 14 years old, her parents fitted her with the best prosthetic arms that they could afford. And and finally, at 14 years old, she said, you know, I, I want to try life without these. These get in my way. And now she's a wife. She's a mother. She takes care of her baby. She can, she can do all the chores, and she does them all with her feet. She, is, she drives a car. She'd get out there in, in the parking lot. Any automatic transmission car, she's licensed to drive. She doesn't have to drive special equipment. She just drives it with her feet. I mean, it's amazing. She's a scuba diver. She's a three-time black belt in Taekwondo. She's a bad dude. Or dudette. She's a licensed pilot, the world's first licensed pilot with no arms. I mean, this is a girl who can do... There's even, there's even a video of her on YouTube putting in her contact lenses with her feet. I couldn't do it with my hands. I'm just telling you. If I ever need glasses, if they're that thick, I'm just going to have to wear glasses. I'm, I, I cannot, I mean, I can't hardly touch my eye there. I can't, no way I can. She does it with her feet. She's an overcomer. Y'all got me? And there are a lot of people in this world that overcome terrible odds just to live every day. But here is the problem with just being an overcomer. Is tomorrow morning when that person gets up, Brother Eddie, they got to do it again. They got to do it the next day. And they got to do it the next day. They never come to a day when they can quit overcoming. If they quit overcoming, then they're going to lay down and be a failure every day. 
today, they've got to make up their mind to overcome that. There's got to be something better than that emotionally. Are you all here with me? I said emotionally, there's got to be something better than just, just smiling and overcoming the pain inside. And Jesus knew what that one thing better was. That man went to church on the on the Sabbath day and there at church was Jesus. I said there at church was Jesus. And Jesus called him out and said, "You, I mean, you, you, there's something I want you to do. I want you to out stretch your withered hand you can overlook it you can overcome it or you can outstretch that withered hand and his hand was healed as whole as the other i want to tell you there is divine intervention for the situation you are in Oh, Holy Ghost, help me here. I said there is divine intervention for the situation that you are in. Brother David, you don't know about my situation. That is the glorious part of it. I know nothing. But I know that the Holy Ghost is right here speaking to men and women. And this is the word from the Lord for you tonight. You can be healed. I said you can be healed. There is healing for that emotional turmoil you're in. There is healing for that withered heart and that wounded spirit. Oh, you've been messed up. You've been messed with. You've been abused. You've been hurt. And some of that may go all the way back to your childhood. And I know sometimes we as the church... Brother Eddie, I'm willing to admit this too. We haven't been real good about understanding hurting people. Sometimes we've just kind of said, just come on, shake it off. You can do better than that. But sometimes you can't shake that off. You can't just shake it off. But I want to tell you, God can take it off. I said God can take it off. God can lift it off. My God is able to go right down into the depths of your hurting heart and pull that wound out by the root and make that heart as clean and as pure as it's ever been and more he's able to completely heal the withered hand he's able to completely heal the withered spirit the wounded heart But I want you to notice something finally here tonight. He would not allow this man to remain hidden and be healed. That, that is the deciding factor. He had to be willing to say, Jesus is talking to me. Oh God. Oh God, the man could not remain hidden and be healed. I'm going to ask for a volunteer tonight, and since nobody has raised their hand yet, brother, right there, four rows back that helped me preach so much last night. You told me your name last night. What is it? Yeah. Joey, will you help me? You're willing to help me? We haven't practiced this, right? You have no idea what I'm going to do. Can you can you stand on your head? I'm not going to ask you to stand on your head. I just wanted to know. No. All right. Listen. 
Joey is going to illustrate for me, as I preach this, what he thinks Jesus was asking this man to do. And like I said, we've, we haven't practiced this, okay? I'm just, I'm just trusting his comprehension level, all right? Jesus said to this man, stand up. Rise up. What do you think that meant, Brother Joey? Demonstrate that for us. When Jesus said to this man with a withered hand, rise up. Are you all in agreement? That's probably what he meant. So the first instruction was to the man with a withered hand, I want you to stand up. That is a confession that he's not talking to the guy next to me in the blue shirt or the guy next to me in the striped shirt, or the lady at the end of the pew in the polka dot dress, he's talking to me. The Holy Ghost is zeroing in on my withered hand. The second instruction that he gave to Joey with the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. So he's already got him standing, and then he says, now stand forth in in the midst. I want you to demonstrate what do you think he meant by that? We already told him to stand up and then he says, "Now stand forth in the midst." Anybody want to help brother Joey out? What do you think that meant? Come up here. That's right. I mean, I think that's pretty plain, right? Brother Joey got that, you got that. And so the Lord is calling him out of his comfort zone. Oh, Holy Ghost is talking to somebody here. I said, the Lord is calling us out of our comfort zone. We can stay right in our pew and keep our little spiritual cloak about us and we can go home with the same hurts we came in with. Or we can listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost and stand up and then stand forth in the mist. And then the Lord gave him a third direction. And that direction for his right hand was stretch forth thy hand. Now demonstrate that for us. Look at that. Look at that. This is a man, though, that couldn't do it. I said, this is a man that couldn't do it. He could have said, you know, I, I followed your first two directions, but, but I can't I can't do that. But the Bible said, and he did so. Hallelujah. He obeyed the command. And when he obeyed those three commands, this hand was healed. Oh, Holy Ghost, help us here. Thank you, Brother Joey. Thank you. Y'all don't understand what I'm preaching to you here. I understand our motivation for wanting to remain hidden. I really do. You have good reason to want to hide. As I mentioned earlier, sometimes we in the church, we haven't been so great about helping hurting people. And sometimes you feel like maybe even those who should have helped you have beaten you down or they pushed you low. You're ashamed of your wound. You're afraid of the reaction of others around you. Maybe you've been bullied before. Maybe they've made fun of your spiritual or your emotional weakness. And maybe, maybe somebody's blamed you for the wounds that other people have caused you. But I come to preach to you tonight, the healing is worth it. I said the healing is worth it. Just come on out of hiding tonight. In the name of Jesus, I feel like Christ is calling you to stand up. I feel like Christ is calling you to acknowledge that man is preaching to me. Stand. Come into the midst. 
stretch forth that hurting part of you. And the healing process will begin. Oh, Holy Ghost, help us right here. Church, are you praying with me? Are you praying with me? Praise God. Praise God. Brother Eddie, this August, this August will be 34 years I've been trying to preach. And I ought to be more sensitive to the Holy Ghost by now. I ought to know His voice more than I do. I ought to be more effective in my preaching. But I want to tell you, there are times when I know that I'm on the right trail. And I know the Holy Ghost is speaking through these lips of clay. And tonight is one of those nights when I know the Holy Ghost is right here. And... I wasn't so sure that night when I grabbed that Indian girl's hand, that young mother, and I said, squeeze my hand. I started doubting myself when she didn't do it. But once she did, it just reconfirmed, Davy, that was the voice of God you heard. That was God's voice. And I hear that same voice right here tonight speaking to someone. Grab a hold of my hand and squeeze it. Bring that hurt. Stand up. Come into the midst. Stretch out that withered hand. Do what you couldn't do before. Lay that hurt out before God. And I want you to witness a miracle of God eliminating and washing away the hurts in your lives. Would you stand with us here tonight? I'd love to see 100% participation. If you're physically able to do so, I want you to stand first. That's the first directive. And the second one is just like the one that Brother Joey demonstrated for us. Now, stand forth in the mist. Come down here toward the front. You can kneel. You can stand. You can even sit down if you need to. We don't care. Any way you need to get comfortable to do business with God. Any way that you need to get comfortable to do business with God. I believe that God's going to heal.